Uh, welcome everybody to a sunshining edition of the CarCast. This is episode number 106, following the Nashville Predators 1-0 shutout win over the Dallas Stars this afternoon at American Airlines Center. I'm Owen Newkirk, he's Sean Shapiro, and right now, aside from being a near cutting off of that pickup truck that almost hit you, it's very nice, Sean, to see that both Ben Bishop looked his old self again, and the breakfast for lunch media meal was the most exciting thing of the yeah, day. Yeah, breakfast was good. Breakfast was good. Um, the did you go steak and eggs, or did you go eggs and ham? I did both. See, I, I, I had uh, I went Mediterranean steak kebabs last night, so oh, I don't want to go fun. steak twice. Oh, jeez. Okay. All right, we gotta uh, get out of this lane before uh, we get into an accident. Language. Um, Who said that? I, well, no, I was censoring myself slightly. Oh, okay. I was going to say another word, but I guess this is an uncensored car cast. So. It is. There's no reason why we can't use profanity, yeah. but you know, I kind of throw on my. You I try like, not to. We kind of use our radio voices. I like to use. Yes. Um, it's our where, FCC voices. It's the conversation I've had. I've had this conversation with a friend before, uh, and I don't. I wonder if this applies to you. So I have a young child, and. I have a friend who has a young child around a similar age, and we've—I had a beer with him recently, and we were talking about how, how, what age, at what age does a kid get to a certain age where you have to stop swearing around them so they're not using yes. those words? Um, and my friend has struggled a little bit more with it, where he to not be to use some four-letter words around his his son. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Um, just, Side note: I'll get to it in a minute. Because, Go on ahead. Because he is. Uh, because he uses that language quite often, like many of us do sometimes. I, however, have the kind of the switch that I've been able to flip just from doing radio interviews, being on air, things like that, where I know when I flip that switch, I, those words don't, uh, I guess they don't get, ever get filed in. So my I'm, cursing is circumstantial. Yes. It depends on what circumstance I'm in. Mm-hmm. If you get me on a beer league hockey bench or oh, in the locker room, it's bad. I swear like a sailor. Yeah. If you get me in front of the kids, I try really hard. I eh, might slip once in a while, but I'm pretty good at that. Get yeah. me on the radio, and I don't think I've ever yeah. said something that I shouldn't have. There's been a few times where I've said a word that is not censorable or needing to be censored, requiring of censorship, mm-hmm. that then I say, ooh, that pronunciation sounded <laughs> awfully close to something bad, like yeah. saying the word puck a hundred times yeah. and maybe slurring it a little bit with my enunciation mm-hmm. might sound like something you shouldn't say on air. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I actually intended or actually said that word. By the way, this is episode number 106, as I already mentioned, but we didn't mention the memorial, or not the memorial, the tribute, because both of these gentlemen are still alive. Three, actually. Sean joked that we should do the Julius Honka episode, which is just cruel. So we're not going to do that. Then we saw, we got to the D's and it's Trevor Daly. So that seems pretty obvious. Yeah. But with both the Rangers, with all, with the Rangers, the Blues, and the brief stint with the Dallas Stars, how can it not be the Doug Lidster episode? How? How many Doug Lidster episodes are we going to have? As many as we can find. <laughs> Remember, Travis Morin and Max Fortunis used to play the game, What Would Dougie Do? Mm-hmm. With hypotheticals, trying to figure it out, and then asking him said hypothetical. I think we should continue to do that. Now, I could go through from M to Z and see if there's somebody No, I, I like that. Appropriate. I, I, I should we do a duel, like a daily slash Lidster? 
I guess. Yeah, I want, the one reason I think Daly is such a good fit, and this is before you told me Doug Litzer was... Oh, of the, course. Um, Daly is... So in the Stars locker room, they have on the one wall... The one wall has the retired number above the stalls. The one wall has the retired numbers. The other one has all the captains. And the third one just has a collection of players that have been important in franchise yes. history. And Trevor Daly... Um, Brendan Morrow's up on that wall. I think Sergei Zubov's up on that wall. I'm pretty sure he is. Um, Trevor Daly's up on that wall, too. I believe he is the only active player in the NHL on that wall that uh, played for the Stars. Possibly showing that he... Was Jamie Ben on the wall? He, well, he's on the wall with the captain. Okay. Jamie's not on the wall with Okay, the, uh, on the other side. Yeah, so... Um, so there's that. So, so just obviously there's reverence to what Trevor Daly meant to this franchise in this in, as long as he was here. Um, By the way... He's a similar player to... Unfortunate for Trevor, where his prime years came at some of the most lean times. Yes. By the way, uh, 405, according to Hockey Reference, 405 players have worn the number six in the NHL. So, lots of opportunities to choose from. And hopefully, all of them have been defensemen, even though, Ryan, even though there are some players who, uh, number six should be worn by defensemen. Yeah, Ryan Donato is the one that yeah, comes to mind most yeah. recently. Uh, you didn't like the Charlie Coyle no, number. not like Charlie Coyle, no. Well, we'll move on from yeah. that. Okay, so, Sean, unfortunately for the second straight game, the Stars were blanked by the Nashville Predators. They did it home and home, which NHLPR then sent out a fun fact for all you Stars fans out there. First time in Nashville Predators history that they have had shutout wins in both ends of a, a home and home with an opponent. Which means you play in both venues yeah. against the same team. Well, I mean, and there's not as there's not those don't happen that often. In this no. Battle, so it doesn't surprise me that it's that it's the first time. Uh, obviously, yes. The goaltender at the center of this is UC Soros. Played both games, stopped all 70 shots between the two games combined. Um, this was an interesting game from an offensive standpoint because we've now reached a point where the Stars have gone. Three, uh, two full games without scoring a goal. Three full games without scoring an even straight. That's right, goal. because the only goal they scored against Edmonton was, was power play. Yes. So we. By the way, Sean, they haven't given up an even strength goal in quite a while either. Even longer since the last time they scored a true five-on-five five goal. Um, so the offense is obviously the Stars team has never been a team that scores a lot in general, but this is kind of the low as far as the production standpoint. Yeah, I mean, remember in the month of February they averaged over three goals yeah. a game, so they were better mm-hmm. and. Unlike Thursday, right, this was a better performance than Thursday by a mile. Thursday was not good. It was ugly. Thursday it was a bad terrible. game, terrible. especially Thursday considering very bad. you're coming off a loss to an Edmonton team that you were playing better than, uh-huh. and you lose a special teams battle, but looked like you were a much better team 5-on-5 five five than Nashville, but didn't do anything with it. Today, it was better, but I would like to add that I thought Nashville was a better team in the first period. And they were the better team for most of the second period. And then Dallas turned it on and then crushed them in quality chances from about the five-minute mark remaining in period two till the end of the game. Yeah. I thought Dallas was so, by far the better team, but they didn't finish. Looking at chances and looking at the flow of the game and the play, I thought... Um, so I didn't like the way they started. I didn't today. like the way they started. And so Rick Bonus after the game, I asked him today if he thought there was enough quality today. He said there was enough quality. I agree with that he statement. Said, I agree to an extent. There was enough in the third period. I felt there was enough in the third period, um, but I disagree. I didn't think there was nearly enough in the first or second period. I didn't think they didn't. I don't think they were good offensively in the first or second period. And I didn't I, either until the final four minutes and change because then all of a sudden, here's the thing: what I had shot with about 15 minutes gone, mm-hmm. also known as five minutes to go in the second, 
I had the Preds up seven to two in quality chances. Yeah. The Stars won the period in quality. They had eight chances and won eight to seven or ten to seven in the period with that final flurry. They had some really nice run of things. There it was, was all there was a good flurry there. Good power play, yeah. boom, 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 just didn't score. However, and this is I think where you're going with this, I didn't have a ton of high danger grade A. You know, yeah. when I keep quality chances, there's a you know, I have my area and it's, you know, loosely, you know, it's close if it's a little over the line, I, all right, I'm apt to give it to him. But then if there's a really big chance, like Philip Forsberg on a three on one during the four on four, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Fisher made it. That's a big save. I put two stars next to that. Mm-hmm. Now, if Joe Pavelski, first chance of the second period, two yeah. on one, hits off the side of the mask of Soros, his shoulder and out. I put a star next to that. That means that was a really great, a high quality chance. So to me, quality chances are ones where you have a good chance to score, but doesn't necessarily mean they're the high danger. There's a gray because yeah. again, just like shots, quality chances have different levels of danger to them. Yeah. So I have these little notations and stuff. And I say all that to say I did not have a lot of stars next to the Dallas quality chances today. Yeah, no, there there was there was kind of a like quantity of semi semi quality at the end. But I don't say was decent, decent but yeah. not high grade. Yeah, and so right? for, for me I needed to see more high grade um, agreed. And especially with and rebounds. And rebounds. And second, third, you're not getting those. It's they're one not, and they're, done. They're not creating many. Um, I, I didn't look at the number for postgame today. but I you know it was the best one to tie the game. It was the first of the third period. Yeah. It was Tyler Sagan missing an open net. Mm-hmm. He hit yeah. the outside of the net. Jamie Benn goes behind the goal, does a little behind-the-back pass against the green. Wonderful idea from Jamie. Sagan has it. He has Soros leaning the wrong way. Please don't hit the Aston Martin. I don't want him to hit me. He's coming into my way. Well, okay, but his insurance is probably a lot higher than yours. Probably. Anyway, um, I suppose if he hits you, it's better than if you hit him. Correct. Right? Well, he was coming into my life. Okay, fair enough. So, Sagan gets the puck. I was Perry in this situation. <laughs> you got cross-checked in the head? <laughs> yes. Um, so, Sagan gets that shot, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's he's got the net. He just missed. Yeah. All right, fair. Players miss. But it's two, three inches to the left, it hits the outside of the net. He goes the other way. It's a 1-1 game, and I'm fully convinced the way the Stars were playing in this game, that if they get one, the dam breaks, and they pour it on over Saros. You think? I think that's a fair way to look at it. Um, But it took too long to get there, and you need this team, after what they did on Thursday, and the whole message we got out of yesterday, oh, we had some hard conversations, people are feeling uncomfortable, yada, 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 yada. And then they started the way they did tonight. The, that the is start inc- was bad. That is incredibly disappointing for after how they played Thursday and then all these hard conversations with the coaches and everything like that that everyone's talking about then to start that way yes. and to take... They were on their heels because Nashville took it to them yeah. in the beginning of the game. For it to, for desperation mode to be required... For de- for desperation mode only to be activated when they're down one nothing and it's getting late in the game. I don't like that. I I agree with to that. To me, desperation mode to this one. So the big thing coming out of this now. So we talk about being four-point games. This was an eight-point swing, Oof. these two games. Eight points for the mean, Predators. Think about the gap Dallas puts over Nashville if they get the results they should have got. Mm-hmm. Because they're a better team than Nashville, I believe. They are a better team. If they play their best and Nashville plays its best, Good game. Dallas wins most of them because they're better mm-hmm. right now. I believe that. 
Yeah. We saw that in the Winter Classic. So the Stars the, outplayed them, and they were a better team, and they fought back and won it. The Predators are now six points away from the Stars. Could be ten. And on top of that, these Predators are now closer to the Stars than the Stars are to the Blues. Yeah. And, and, and the Blues lost to New Jersey and, last and, night. And three weeks ago, we had the Stars and Blues tied for first in the West. Yes, that's right. And a chance oh, when they yes. played them and laid an egg in Dallas yes. to... St. Louis was they hit would have, by two. They, they would have tied have, them and had the tiebreaker fewer games played. Yeah, and the other, so they would yeah. have moved into first place at the time. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is that the Stars have slumped since then, yes. right? They're 0-3-2. and yep. There's been some good performances that they just haven't gotten the results for, and they've been there's been a couple not good performances in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, teams, everybody goes through, right? Yeah. This isn't as bad for Dallas as the beginning of this season, which was wretched. Yeah. And yet... Really need to find a way to get some points and get a win or two because so this, suddenly they, uh, you know, they had a great month of February and now you're into March, you're into week two and they don't have a win. So here's the big thing that we're at right now for the Stars. For me, this team is mentally tougher than that team two years ago. Oh, by far. And so you don't have that. You also have a better goalie situation than this team had two years ago. You're talking um, about the. The 17-18. Yeah, 17-18 collapse of my Ken Hitchcock. So it doesn't – there are reasons to look at and say, okay, this isn't the same collapse. However, however, and people on Twitter and the fan base, and they're more than, they're more than justified in starting to worry about it, is each loss starts to pick at that old wound. Like yes. you've healed over that wound, and making the playoffs last year and and some of this what, – what they overcame this year after the 1-7-1 start – that kind of healed over that wound, but it's a scab still, and so it's still a scab that's there. And so with each loss, it's someone like you think picking it's a scab at, more than a scar. Um, yeah, because you can't pick a scar. Scar's just there. Like, well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's done. You think that there's still a chance for a fresh wound about it? Yes, I think okay. so. Okay. And so I think there's, I think it's it's become it's a scab that could be. Picked at with each loss, you lose. You lose the next game. I think that's with every team. The yeah. longer that goes, all of a sudden you go from, hey, it's just a couple games. Yeah. You can talk it out to when it gets. And, and as you said, and I heard this, I think it was on NHL Network yesterday. Said so you got to be careful because one or two losses can turn a, a short, you know, two or three game losing streak into a five game or six, yeah. and then suddenly you don't want to have a five game losing streak at this time of the year. No. And that's where the stars are at. Right I now. mean, in the one perspective you want to take is like we're talking after the game. Tyler said, "Well, you'd rather have it now than losing five in a row in <laughs> in, in April." Yeah, um, which is a fair perspective, but it's something that they need to things need to be fixed. So they need to score some goals. Let's talk about the positive really quickly. Here. Okay. Ben Bishop, we mentioned it already. Uh, he said that he took a, a puck to the knee during the morning skate on Saturday last weekend in St. Louis after he played against Boston. They lost. Mm-hmm. Good game. Yeah. Uh, I don't think Bish was at his best in that game, but mm-hmm. it also wasn't a lot of, on him either. Yeah. Um, Stars defensively made some mistakes and got a couple of tap-ins and a couple yeah. of tip plays. Okay, whatever. So they play Hudobin in St. Louis that night, and Bish in morning skate takes a puck to the knee and it swells up. Doesn't practice Monday after they moved, came back to Dallas because it's swollen yeah. and uncomfortable. That's why he's hurt. Yeah. He has a rigorous practice Tuesday, but doesn't back up mm-hmm. uh, the game, which was against Edmonton. They He travels to Nashville. Gets a pra- uh, they, I don't think they skated Wednesday, did they? 
No, they didn't skate. Because they just, just they canceled he skated, practice. He skated at morning skate on Thursday. So he skated time. morning skate Thursday, got him practicing yesterday, and he played today. Yeah. A couple things on this good news. One is I thought Ben Bishop looked sharper tonight or today than he had in his last couple of starts. I agree. And that's really encouraging. I'm also not overly concerned with the, the Ben Bishop in the long run because I know he has the ability, he's shown it before, to have some tough outings and then get himself back on track. Yeah, I'm not overly worried about Ben Bishop. But um, what I am really pleased about is the health of him because a puck to the knee that is swollen but then heals is exponentially better than a groin injury or a muscle pull that can linger and be re-aggravated a lot more than a, even a deep bruise. Is that fair? That's fair. The other thing that is um, not to be the cynic here right now. Oh, go for it. I'm going to be. You're going to be even if you tried to I, qualify it. There, there could be more. Like, I mean, obviously, honestly, of course. a puck to the knee could have been the reason the knee swelled up, but... Um, oh, I, understand I, also, that. I also, you with how well uh, the knee is protected now, um, it's got to be a pretty damn hard shot in practice. You to think make it, it could be something else? I think it could be something else in addition. Whatever to they said, yeah, he looked healthy and strong. No, and so he did. And, and that that's was, good. Yes, and so I... Uh, and frankly, what did you... Speaking of which, so the only goal of the game was the power play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Ryan Ellis... What did you think of that whole scenario? I thought it was a weak goal to let up in the regards of I didn't like how it was played by the goalie. I didn't like how he didn't see it. He said uh, he told us after the game he didn't see it. It was a screen. Esselandel was body language sure showed seemed to be that way. Like yes. I, I have no I didn't see the yeah. Know, but I don't like that he didn't find it. But I also don't like that's a situation where I think that's a point where you're six seven. You're on the power play. You know the pucks in that area. He needs to be as big as possible, and he didn't make himself as large as possible. What did you that, think about the way Lindell turned as that came out of him? I mean, I know it's a reflex. It didn't, it didn't help. It didn't help. I but, thought, yeah. yeah, I mean, it basically went through him. Yes. And as far as trying to pick that up, that's really that's, hard. And, that, and that's difficult, but I, but it's it's still a situation where I'd like to see you have one of the biggest frames in the NHL. Yes. Make yourself big. That's, right. And okay. you didn't do that. So that is a – it is a – it is a goal I didn't like in that regard. Okay. He is not the reason they lost because you can't win if you don't score goals. Well, and and so. if Ben Bishop allows one goal against, mm-hmm. good or bad, yes, in a game, you have a chance to win hockey. Well, and it's it's, it's similar. You should be in good shape, right? One goal against is well below acceptable league numbers. It's similar to the shot that Philip Forsberg scored on on Thursday, where it's a goal that I don't yes, like. That I didn't like that from I, I didn't like that goal that Hudobin let up, but Hudobin played well enough to win that game. Ben Bishop played well enough to win this game yes. tonight. Um, they didn't get any goals. Yes, so no, and that's look, the story. If the Stars scored one, mm-hmm. and they lost two to one, because the soft goal came at bad timing and really brought everything down, and yada, yada, yada. Watch it here. There's some break yeah. lights coming up. Um, I, you'd be a little more concerned of, hey, man, you really need that save. Ben Bishop, made, like the one on Forsberg, that five, yeah. that three-on-one, that's that save. Yes. Right? That's the save of, honestly, if you're playing four-on-four hockey and you lose, you give up a three-on-one in four-on-four play, which can happen. Yeah. But if you do that, you should not expect your goalie to come up with that save every time. Right? Correct. Um because that's a real high danger chance. It really is. Well, it's a situation where. If and you're he a, made that save. He made one of those saves that you need your goalie to make, but you, it, even yeah. though they're not expected to always make that stop. 
So yeah. to me, was that, was, that was good. He was good. Everything about Bishop's performance tonight was good. I, I'm, I'm being hypercritical of the goal against. Well, it's just fair. But it's just fair. Okay. Um, so okay. Special teams. Special teams. The penalty kill now for the 12th time in the last 17 games has allowed a power play goal. Unfortunately, today, that one is a blemish that's not really fair. Yeah. Because I thought the penalty kill was good. And... Three seconds left, and Ryan, as you said, Ryan Ellis scored on a shot from the right half wall. Yeah. Again, bad goal to give up. That's kind of unfortunate, isn't it? It is. Um, however, the penalty kill is at a point where last five games, they're 9 for 16 on the penalty kill. That's not good. 56.2%. That's I dreadful. Um, really wretched. That's, like, uh, yeah, that's really bad. I don't it's not to, good. Yeah. So, the penalty kill needs, and it's the only, not the only reason, because they're not scoring, but... The last three games of the uh, so the last three games only goals against have been on the penalty kill. Yeah, and so it's weird, right? It's weird, and so it's the point where they still got a point against Edmonton. Great. However, but they lost because uh, and they played well. Yeah. They lost because Miko Koskinen was, was so phenomenal. Yeah. And but again, special teams goaltending. Correct. So it happens all the time. They're at a point where if the penalty kill is good the last three games, uh, and tonight it wasn't bad. Once again, we said this was not fair, but in general. If the penalty kill is good the last three games, you're at a point where maybe you're at least getting to it. You're, you're getting to overtime. You're right. Getting to I mean, this could like have been a zero-zero hockey game. Very yeah. well. Could it feels have. like it should have been. Well, yes. It feels like it should have been. Um, well, the way the Stars created chances, they should have gotten one, right? They should have scored a goal. In the third someone's period. Got, someone's yeah. got it. Had, I had my numbers a little higher than Bones um, in the third. I had 11 to 1. Uh, Again, only a couple of real top drawer chances, but a lot of pretty good ones. The other thing You've got to score a goal yeah. on 11 quality chances in one period. The other thing the Stars Phew. the other thing the Stars made easier on Saros that they didn't do enough of is you got to lift the freaking puck. Like there's way Saros made way too many saves on the ice getting sure. his pads across and just to be frank, Saros is the shortest goalie in the NHL. Yes. That's not that's not a hyperbolic statement. He and Antonio Dobin and Yaroslav Halak are the only goalies in the NHL under six feet Listed. tall. Listed. And I appreciate they listed as that because Anton Hudobin is not six feet tall. Yes. And so many teams will like yes. will actually list a inflated number. Correct. I like what the NBA did there at least. I'll give them that. Okay. Let's go to the lightning round. You yes. know why? Because it's that time, and I don't want to do an hour-long car no. cast today because it's almost family. 6 o'clock, and I have some family time here. It's not like our normal nights where we end up showing up and the entire house is in bed. Correct. So, on that note... Let's get to our first one. Brian wrote about three hours ago, why don't referees get a silver whistle for their 1,000th game? Also, I know Gurionov isn't the best defensive forward, but would playing him up high on the penalty kill force teams to change their approach to the power play? The first one I want to chime in because we actually brought this up today in our pregame media meal, and I like the idea of the silver whistle. I think that would be hilarious. I think it would be great. Wouldn't shouldn't it? It it would be. It's either that or some sort of gilded uh, arm straps. We should we should ask Gord because this is Gord is actually someone we could ask at some point. We do know Gord. We Um, we, we play with him at the Seve Nooner occasion. He's from. He lives in Frisco. So that would be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah. Silver whistle. We need to start that campaign. So. Let's get these referees their silver whistles. I did, I did find it funny in that presentation where they were careful to make sure both GMs presented a jersey. Yes. Because can you imagine if only one team gave oh, a jersey? Oh, that would look like such favoritism, yes, wouldn't it? Yes. It would be really yeah. funny. Um, the other half of the question about Gurionov playing one of the forward point positions on the penalty kill. 
penalty. I disagree with the fact that Dennis Gariano is not good enough to play on the penalty kill, so I think he should play on the penalty kill. Why is why do you think he's good enough defensively? Do you th- or do you, I mean, because again, uh, I think he is reliable enough defensively. You think now. he should be now? I think he is. I think you don't think he'll lose coverage because no, the I stars don't. are pretty. I mean, granted, lately the penalty kill has not been yes. great, but no, I, yeah. I guess the other question is is that Como, Cogliano, Dickinson, Yanmark. Sagan, Ben, I mean, those guys, especially the first four I mentioned, those are all very accomplished penalty killers. They are, but what's what's wrong with actually putting a guy who actually is a threat to score if he gets that shorthanded breakaway? Right, Yamark gets the chances but doesn't really threaten the so, score. And they've tried, like, Rope Hintz killed some penalties in Nashville earlier in the week. They've, they've thrown him on occasionally, but to me, Denny is the one who is, I would actually put out there more so. I don't mind it. I guess my thought is is that my first objective on the penalty kill is to stop the other team from scoring. The chance to score a shorthanded goal is secondary. Now, that being said, a great conversation with Patrick Sharp back when he played for the Dallas Stars. He had a, a run where he scored a ton of shorthanded goals with Chicago, and one of the things that he brought up about it was he said there's a, a moment of hesitation for power play players who are thinking offense when they're on the power play with puck possession, when there's a turnover, there's a, a slight hesitation of, I'm on offense mode to, I need to play defense mode. And he said those moments are when you can catch them and get those shorthanded breakaways yeah. and rushes. I always thought that was a fascinating And, and also, the, the other thing is, Denny's killed penalties in the AHL before. He's been responsible. He has been responsible in that realm. He can kill penalties. Like I, I don't, I don't like the regard that he can't kill penalties. It's not. To me, I disagree. They just have time. to get some trust in him. Yeah, they I, have to do yeah, it. I disagree with anyone who says that Dennis Kuryanov can't kill penalties. Think he can do it next year? I think he should do it tomorrow. Okay, like, but yes, okay. yes, he can Calvary do it next Gus. year. I guess an early car cast is nice, although it, I, it means I missed the game because I overslept. What? But maybe that wasn't a bad thing. I, I don't even know. I know it's too early to think collapse 2018, as you were kind of alluding to earlier, but what can the Stars do to ensure success in the rest of the season playoffs? Score goals. If we make it that far. Score goals. Yes. Okay. Next one. Jen, 14-19. Have the Stars given up? Getting flashbacks to 17-18. We're not there where they're not playing for their coach and they're not playing for each other. No. No, it's not that bad. It's, it's not, not even bad. close. Not and they're in a playoff spot, and it's not even a wild card spot. Yeah, no, that's not, it's not that. It's, Let's not panic yeah. here, people. Calgary Puck writes in, is Rick Bonus coaching himself out of a job? What was a defense-first system under Monte is now a defense only under Bones. Chip and chase, no puck control, perimeter shots only. Uh, hashtag Gallant, by the way. <laughs> I, co- I brought this up in our post-game show on the radio. I disagree with this take entirely. Okay. Because, well, the two coaches, Montgomery and Bones, do have slight differences in how they approach things. They both were thinking good, strong defensive play and details, and that leads to scoring chances. <coughs> the Stars are still getting scoring chances. I think they're struggling with puck support on scoring chances and the determination to get to the net. But it's not because Rick Bonus and his staff is, are saying, don't get into the offensive zone. Don't create offensive chances. Um, it's, so it's, I, I, it's, I think that that's it, it's it's on execution right now. It's not on system. It's execution, and it's a system too that's really hasn't changed much since Montgomery was it's, almost it's, at all. And so um, a little bit in player usage, maybe. But and, here's the thing, Sean. He mentions ship and chase. The reason why you see a lot of that has more to do with circumstances. It, early in the game today, when Nashville was in on the forecheck a lot and they had a great start. Dallas got stuck, and Bones has talked about this. If you can't make the transition on a breakout to get it to center ice and then get it past your red line, 
even if it is a dump and chase. You get you lose the puck, they send it back in, you have to go back and break out again. You do that a couple of times, then by the time you do get it out of your zone, you have to dump it and go to the bench for a line change. Your your shift is done and you're tired and that's it, right? Well, that's what happens if you aren't clean at getting the puck from behind your net forward and through center ice. You get stuck in your own zone, and it kills the momentum of your shift, and now you're going to the bench for a change. That's what's happening. Mm -hmm. If they can get out of the zone quickly, clean passes through center ice, now they're in on the offense, and the other team is in that situation. So, I mean, it's easier said than done. But that's some of the problem is the way that they get themselves from their own zone through center ice the other way. But there, no, there, there is a systemic problem though too of attacking in waves. There is too oh, much. Yeah. There is way too much of an issue, and this is not just tonight. This is all season. Of we see one guy on the offense and no one else. Which with is him. funny because what did Jim Montgomery talk about all the time? Puck support, puck, puck, support, support, puck support, constantly. Yeah. I think if you're going to talk about a systemic problem, you're talking about within the roster, not so much the coaching staff style. Well, I, coaching staff goes into it too, but I think there's also what's been hammered into this group for so long, and they they don't feel a lot of the guys don't feel like they need to be more creative offensively. I think that's. I but think also that's part been, of the problem is that the guys that do try to be creative is when they should shoot, right? Yes. They try to do that fancy there's, extra play. There's, there's no middle ground with the team. They're there's just no struggling with that. Yeah. And if look, if they score a couple of goals and then they try something that doesn't work, you go, oh, yeah. no big deal. You still have a two goal lead. Whereas right now, when the goals are starved, then every time they don't get a shot on net when it has a promising rush, it's being under put under a microscope. I think here's a perfect example. I'm going to go back to. So Tyler Sagan finally scores his first goal, remember? After, after the drought. After the drought. Yes. We go into, and it's in Toronto, right, where he scores the first goal. It was the power play winning goal. Yeah, against Toronto. Game. What happens the next game in Montreal? He scored. Remember that overtime goal? Where Tyler Sagan. It was a gorgeous the goal. Comp, but no, and so that yeah. that is, no, but I think that is the perfect. He went forehand, backhand. No, but no, but you, you talk. Side net goal. But, but when things aren't right. going well, and Tyler yes. and I have talked about this. When it's things the aren't, confidence to make the when, play. When things aren't going well, you don't try that move. Yes. When things are going well, you try that move. I agree with that. So. Crawdaddy writes in, given how the last two games against Nashville have gone, how optimistic are you guys for the next three weeks? I I think they're. I think the Stars are going to be the third seed in the Western in the, in the Central Division, and they're going to play the Avalanche or the, the Blues in the first round. And then this we'll see what happens. Five-game losing streak or winless streak, if you want to call it, because it's a couple overtime or a shootout or whatever, has probably kept the Stars from being in the conversation of winning the division. I think they're out. Of, they're out of it. In my opinion. perhaps. Yeah. Um, now they could rip off five wins in a row. Never know. But yes, I think that realistically. Second, maybe third, probably. Okay. I'd like to make sure that they I, stay out of the wild card because you see that race? Yeah. It's just a jumble right now. I think they're going to finish third. <clears throat> All right. Uh, the good news is Mike Hoff is getting better from the last car cast, which was Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So, Court, who was at our postgame show today, said, Owen said I should send in a car cast question. So, I will qualify this as that. She also said, I'm not going to send a question today. And I go, why not? Because I was saying something about I don't want to do a long car cast. And she said, well, I guess I won't send it. I said, no, I'll still send any questions. We like it. How many times have you two touched your faces today? <laughs> that was part of the conversation of coronavirus. Like made contact with your hands to your face, right? Like touch your own face. 
Uh, but seriously, do you think the NHL ends up playing games in empty arenas like the Swiss? And how weird must that be for players? It's got to affect outcomes, right? Um, it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to get that far. It's the type of thing where, hypothetically, yeah. Okay, so we don't know if it will, but if it does, yes. Because the first half of the question is, do you think it will happen? The second is, what will it be like? Yeah, it'd be weird. Um, I've seen international soccer do that, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, I have, and I think. And it's really weird. It will be. It looks like a training ground scrimmage. And it'll feel the other thing. It might have a bit of a feeling like it might feel like this is this is not to rip on the team, but I've been to Florida when there's four thousand people. Or yes. feel like five thousand people. Like it'll be it'll let be less than that. It'll be it'll feel some it'll feel like that where you hear but worse. No worse. Well, well, none of you will hear anything because you won't be there. But like you know, oh, I'll be there. I know, no, but the, the I know the, uh, you're talking about the fans. Yes. Okay, we have to so, qualify yeah. that because if you say you and I'm here, yes. I'm saying yes, I will. Yes. Well, your radio, your job will be even more important. <laughs> I would like to think that it's important anyway, but yes, I understand. Yes. But there's now 17,000 people who... Speaking can... of which, Cheryl writes in, tell us about the coronavirus NHL precautions that are now in place. How did this affect today's reporting coverage, and what about open-to-the-public Frisco practices? So there is no, uh, as of right now, and from what I've been told, there's been no plans, and there are no plans right now to not to close practices to the public. Um, mainly because the great thing about hockey and keeping is there's that pane of glass. And so like, yes, you're like the, essentially they're like zoo animals. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, you can't, you can't, if you, if fans started lobbing, uh, bottles of liquid like yeah. water or that looked like that yeah. over that could be contaminated with whatever, yeah. then suddenly I don't think the public would be allowed anymore. No, and so but that's shouldn't happen. And, and basically, the one thing it kind of does eliminate, though, is just realistically. Someone asked me about this today. You're not. You're probably not getting any autographs anytime soon. You're not getting any. Yeah. Any like, yeah. any of the player tunnel high fives or those sign are, me this. Those, that that's are gone those, for a while. Those are gone. Maybe so, for the rest of the season. Probably. I mean, it's. I wouldn't. Um, Autograph sessions are, are getting canceled. Um, saw the junior start of the game is gone now. The, For the foreseeable future. Anyway. The anthem before the game, Selena did the anthem from the Zamboni Tunnel because yep. they're no longer doing that from the tunnel. Well, it's just trying to eliminate unnecessary yeah. e exposure between the players and the public. Correct. Um, Christian writes in, thoughts on the Stars trying to expand into slash within the Mexican-American market. How realistic is a game in Mexico City and Spanish commentary for games? Any idea on when these could happen? I would love to help out in any way I can to make both a reality. So the – reported this on this on Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, before the Stars game. Before the Stars game on Tuesday against Edmonton where the Stars are looking to kind of expand their footprint with the Mexican-American community and into Mexico as well. Um, Why not? There's, if, yeah. if there was a team in Houston, then they'd both be vying yeah. for it. So the Stars have talked to the NHL about playing a game in Mexico City. Would it be Arizona? Um, or I, for the sake of trying to corner the market, would it be somebody outside of that realm? Yeah, I, I think the opponents doesn't matter as much because it's not like we're talking an outdoor game. Right. So like, like no, but I'm just saying, like, the other team that would, is geographically would be the closest to benefit from my thought that would, have, would be my, my thought would have been L.A. too. 
<clears throat> like I also thought, I thought yeah, maybe, the other one. there's a big Mexican American community in LA. I right. Thought, I thought maybe Vegas could be a fit too. Sure. It does. It, for the stars' purposes, it probably doesn't matter. Yeah. I yeah. just wonder about is there is this a Dallas Stars driven marketing initiative or is this an NHL driven? This isn't. This is a stars driven. Right. Marketing. And so, so then maybe the opponent is. So important. that's why this is just kind of something I've learned in the past couple of days since Tuesday. So the Mavericks played a game there this year. They did. But that was a Detroit Pistons home game, and that was an NBA initiative. The NBA sends two games a year there where the NBA picks two teams to go. That was not a Mavericks initiative. The Stars, this is a Stars-driven initiative to play a game there. So this is more so of, about the Stars building a brand and playing a game there as opposed to the NHL doing so. Um, and so I don't think the opponent is going to be um, – I'm, sure I'm sure there will be other teams that maybe say, hey, I'd like to – be involved with that and, and things like that, but the bigger thing is this is more of a stars initiative than a league initiative, so there's less of a who is the opponent worry. Right. Um, as far as the broadcast goes, I know it's something that they are looking to the options how to realistically do that. Um, it's something where they would like to obviously, from my understanding, of how it would work is it would be a partnership with a current Spanish st- radio station um, that would Makes sense. that would do the. Uh, play-by-play and everything like that. So Last one, Julie writes in, why does this team give me so much anxiety? I'll, I'll address this first because I think what happens is is teams give you some optimism and hope. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the year, this, we've had lots of high hopes. Yes. Then they just were awful. And all our hopes were dashed, and we went, mm, maybe this team isn't as good as we all thought, but how could we all have been wrong, right? Yeah. Well, then they pulled themselves out of the ditch, got back to being a relevant team, and then off they went. And they were good for so long with a few blips, right? The Tampa game, but they won, but they shouldn't have. The Florida game was awful. That game in Minnesota was dreadful here and there, right? St. Louis game at home. But they got to a point right before they played St. Louis, what we were talking about before, where we legitimately said, hey, 20 games to go or so, they could win the division. Yeah. Which, after the 1-7-1 one 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 start, wasn't even – they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. Then they get to the point where, oh, wow, they're probably going to make the playoffs – now they've got a shot to legitimately win the division. So this downtick, even if they're 500 at this point, they're still right there with the Blues and the and the, uh, and the Avalanche. So the reason why they're giving you anxiety is because they raised your level of expectation from let's make the playoffs and see where it takes us to let's win the Central. Well, and the other, and that's the thing about. So one of the things about sports, and I'll I'll close with this note here. Um, this team started one seven and one, and look where they are now. If you had if you had looked at them in one seven and one and said they would have been in a playoffs, but even you're crazy. You say I'll take it. So, sports. Looking at sports, and look at sports throughout a season. Sports. Being a sports fan and a sports journalist and a sports reporter, broadcaster, whatever, it's like writing a book review after every chapter. Mm. That's really what it's like. As opposed, right. like you wouldn't want if you watched a movie, if you watched a movie or read a book, and you're writing a review of it. You're going to finish the whole thing and then write, okay, oh, yo, it was good. Right. But we, the sports are consumed in a way where, okay, we don't ever know what the final product is. And so at the time we are overreacting or properly reacting, we're reacting. Highs and lows. Highs and lows. The peaks and valleys of a season. If you go to the end of the year and go, look at all, if you told the whole narrative, then you could make a proper assessment. That's what you're saying. Yes. Yes. I like that. It's a very good point. Mm -hmm. Great way to end our Trevor Daly slash Doug Lidster uh, episode 106. And it's the first of four home games in a row. We'll have three more car casts. We 
presume, next week as they play the Rangers, the Panthers, and the Sharks. We'll not have a division game again until late in March when they play Winnipeg and then Chicago, and that's it. So very few central division games. What does that mean? Although you want them to win games, period, going past 60 minutes will not matter Mm -hmm. for the most part. It's also a schedule based off where the teams are in the standings you need to take advantage of. Well, Stars have one of the, if I hate saying easier, but they play a lot of teams that are not in a playoff spot between now and the end of the regular season. So definitely need to take advantage of it. Something that the Toronto Maple Leafs in California this week did not do. Yes.